Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie and with me as always is... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. It's a beautiful day. And I am feeling a lot better about my allergies. So I want to apologize for how rough I sounded last week, everybody. Thank you for suffering through that. Um, Smelly cat. I know. I'm not, I'm no longer in like my um, <laughs> Sudafed induced haze. I feel much better. So what about much. your arm? How's your arm feel? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm working on becoming a super soldier. So my arm's a little sore, but it's a small price to pay. Yeah, that's true. I think the serum is running through my body pretty good right now. I feel great. <laughs> I feel great. Jason's going to go out and lift a car later. I already did that. You didn't see it? I didn't. You should've, I should have videotaped it. We could have gotten some serious <laughs> YouTube hits for that. <laughs> yeah, if only, if only we would have thought ahead a little bit. Uh, so for those of you not know, Jason and I got our first um, shots in our COVID vaccine series um, yesterday. So we are on our way to getting ourselves vaccinated to kind of help maybe open up the world a little bit more sooner. Yep. I mean, we've already had it, but, you know, it's it's not going to be the end of the world if we get the vaccine too. But Right. Yeah. And we have a pretty good streamlined process around here, so that was that was nice that it was it was pretty easy. Um, yeah, for sure. I can't complain about any of that other than my arm hurt for a little my, bit. My arm did really hurt. <laughs> I was like reaching for a bowl today. I was like, oh, oh, no, I can't. <laughs> But yeah. I'm also a wuss about shots. So there's that. So in speaking of shots, now is our shot to win the BGG Golden Geek Awards for the best podcast. You like that tie-in? Wasn't no, that, that, was, awesome? that was actually really terrible. <laughs> Just let me have it, okay? I tried to like plan ahead. I was thinking of that, and I thought it sounded good. You could have done like a Hamilton reference. No, I don't want to get copyright stuff. I mean... Not going to throw away my shot? I think Lin-Manuel Miranda would understand. I don't know. I bet he's got it out for a small to extra small podcast. I, I can think, see that. I think he and I would be good friends, but he's probably <laughs> not going to listen to our Pretty Okay podcast. <laughs> That's probably true. So speaking of our Pretty Okay podcast, we would love it if you would go over to BGG and vote our podcast the best podcast in all of podcastdom. <laughs> Is that really the title of, of the award? The Golden Geek Awards? Yeah, the title of the category. No, it's just best podcast. I added the, the that. It, oh, it was my okay. own personal flavor, okay? Since there isn't a pretty okay podcast category, we're going to have to go for the best podcast category. <laughs> That's true. Like I always say whenever I talk about our podcast, the best podcast between New Carlisle and Columbus, Ohio, as long as there's only one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that category does not exist. In the hour of driving, yeah. So uh, you can check it out on our Facebook page. I put the link. I also put the link on Twitter. Um, I'm sure if you've been on Facebook at all, you've seen the links to vote for the games and stuff as well. But I don't care about games. Games are overrated. Vote for our podcast. It's time that Rado gets put in his place, okay? Enough of that guy. Oh, my goodness. Is he like, is his podcast uh, one of the nominees? No. He. If you win, you can't win. He's already won. I'm just. I'm oh, just, okay. I'm just throwing shade at, at Rado right now. Because I was like, uh, there's no way we're better than Rado. Like, go vote for Rado. <laughs> yeah, at but, least I'm pretty sure. I think if you've won before, you can't be in it again. Because that just seems super unfair. <laughs> well, I mean, if you continue to be the best podcast, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say. We are the best podcast, okay? Oh, okay. Some of you out there, though, are, are really sweet. And I see when on some board game groups, when people ask what your favorite podcast is, some of you do mention us, and I think that's great. Some of you, aside from Jason, who is a shameless <laughs> shill for us, 
and, was gonna, and was <laughs> talks about himself in third person on those posts. Um, I do. I don't even feel bad about it. I really don't. I do feel bad about it. So I think <laughs> I think the rest of you who actually do it out of the kindness of your own heart, and I hope your actual interest in our podcast, um, I appreciate that. So I didn't even know, like how you get nominated like i i'm impressed that we actually did well okay so i did a little bit more research on that don't get too impressed okay it looks like every person who has a podcast uploaded to bgg is in Uh the running (laughs) but we've never been on there before have we i don't think so i don't remember if we were on there last year i don't remember seeing it because i feel like i would have voted for it and started doing my shilling but Hmm. um maybe i just missed it because you know pretty okay yeah you know i wasn't checking so (laughs) yeah it, it, I don't want to have to make a bunch of fake accounts and go vote for us a bunch of times, so it would be great if you guys would help us out a little bit there. If you truly think we're the best podcast, if we're not, or for one of them, vote for the other people, too. I you know can lo- only vote for one, I think. Oh. Okay, well, do what your heart tells you. Okay, listen. Listen to your heart. <laughs> vote for the Borkin Mechanics. There you go. That was your heart. Okay. Anyway, let's move on to some actual news, because... I honestly am would be scared of winning something like that because that might bring more people listening to it. And I already feel a lot of pressure, especially like the one time I started out the podcast, hey, 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 and people got weird. <laughs> so like... Yeah, you, you got all those eyes on you. You better keep it consistent. You know, and that one guy that says I'm really annoying out there in the internet world. I'm sure there's more than one guy that says I'm really annoying out there, but there's one that actually, you know, commented. Who cares? He said I was boring too. Who cares? <laughs> well, I mean... I'll leave that alone. Thanks. So let's talk about Kickstarter news. Yeah, okay. Um, There's a lot of interesting things out there on Kickstarter. Ironically, what I saw a lot when I was searching Kickstarter this week was tarot cards. Oh, yeah, I saw saw those too. Those are actually look at some cool art. There's lots of different ones too. There are a lot of Kickstarters about tarot cards out there right now. So if that's your thing, hey, um... Kickstarter is your oyster right now. But I was looking for a few other types of things. Um, And the first one I want to talk about is a game that looks like, I don't know if it's my kind of game, but it just intrigued me so much that I want to talk about it. And that game is called John Company. This is the second edition. So apparently there's a first edition out there somewhere. But they've improved it for the second edition. And this game is like... It seems like in 18xx, it seems like in some ways civ building, it seems like a big, huge, weighty game. And if you like games like that, that are really like historically grounded, then John Company would be one for you. Um, it is, John Company is, the theme of it is, it's almost like you are help running the East India Trading Company. Because that's kind of the company that you're behind. You're working in the company. You're actually also helping your children, like, move to prestigious career paths and also, like, advantageous marriages as you're trying to kind of grow your influence in the company, grow the company itself. Um, Yes, it does smack of colonialism. And the Kickstarter actually, like, straight on addresses that and talks about that and how... um, Obviously, this is not okay um, to treat, you know, other people and things like that. But it's about looking at how empires work in practice and that idea of being really clear to how they work 
um, they really want to be true to that in the game. So, um, you know, they're working on it's not heroic enterprise by any means, but they're also not comic book villains. They're really kind of mass. They're like being really insidious and you're doing all these little like choices to, you know, promote ambition and, and all those kinds of things. So, um, that, that is kind of the background for this. It plays like, um, an, a sandbox, uh, kind of games. So there's lots of different things that you can do. Um, there's also scenarios that happen. There's four of them that are set within the game. Um, that have challenges and events and, um, you know, you're working on expanding the company and, and moving your, your children to advantageous spots. Um, it is massive, but from the things I've said, it, it's looking like that as you play, you can kind of learn as you go. So even though it's this big kind of economic wieldy thing, it's, it seems like they've really tried to set it up so that, um, you can really learn to play while you play. And there's a lot of negotiation and things happening, much like in the actual East India Training Company. So there's not a ton of downtime, even though there's a lot of stuff happening, which I think that sounds kind of neat. Like it's, um, I think it's intriguing. And if you really love this kind of thing, it sounds awesome. So there's four days left on that. So if you're interested in this kind of big economic, historically based game, John Company has four days left on Kickstarter, and it's $80 for the game. And there really is a lot of game involved. Yeah, uh, it reminds me from what you were saying a little bit, some aspects of it remind me of City of the Big Shoulders. So while I liked that game, I get scared trying to learn a game that's even deeper than that, that I saw a video, it was like an hour long teach and set up. I was like, eh, yeah, this seems cool, but I don't really necessarily want to learn or teach that thing. Well, it sounds like I, I was watching, I was started, I actually did start to watch a video about this. And the guy who's doing the teaching was saying that he likes to teach it by having one person really learn it. And then um, you don't have to really give all the rules at first. It's actually a really good game for learning about different types of things as you play. So I think that that also can help people um, learn a game when you can learn as you're playing. Although some people get bent out of shape about that if they don't know all the rules from the beginning, but you know, what can you do about it? Yeah. Yep. So that's John Company. The next game I want to talk about is very well known, and I'm sure there are lots of people that have been waiting for this. And this is the Oz Australia Big Box and um, two expan expansions. Um, Revenge of the Old Ones and Tasmania. Um, so I have never played Australia, the original game, but, you know, I think it's because the theme really turned me off. I don't really know a ton about the gameplay itself. Um, and so a lot of people seem to like it. Maybe I would like it. I don't know. But in these two expansions, in the Old Ones, Revenge of the Old Ones expansion, someone actually can play as the old ones that are kind of attacking and trying to come back and, and take over the world. So that's kind of an experience. And then um, the Tasmania expansion, it's like it has a couple maps. It's a dual map expansion for Australia. And then it's it's really designed for one to two players, which I think is cool that they're trying to find a way to get smaller player counts to work on this. And then if you you can also... 
You can also combine it with the Revenge of the Old Ones expansion, which makes it work for two to three players because someone's playing the old ones. And then you've got that one to two player kind of um, map in Tasmania. So if you liked Australia and you can't wait for more... There are six days left in this Kickstarter. And actually, I feel like it's financially very reasonable. For $59, you get the big box like storage solution for Australia and the two expansions, which is cool. Um, And then if you have been interested in Australia, but you don't have it, to get the base game plus the two expansions all in that one big box, it's $99. So I feel like that's a pretty decent deal. I'm actually kind of interested in this one. Because, um, okay, well, I like one Marty Wallace game kind of a lot, but um, the theme is real weird. But I, I'd be willing to try it. Yeah, the theme is odd. Um, I love Marty Wallace. So there's nothing like laying some train track to fight the evil ones. Seems kind of odd, but yeah. I would definitely play this. And that $99 we talked about earlier, I think that is a pretty good deal. I'm not going to back it, but it is a pretty good deal. <laughs> Everybody knows you're not going to back it, honey. Everybody knows. Um, The next game is something that I think is totally in my wheelhouse, and I could not help but talk about it. And this is a game called Partners. So it's a two-player RPG game, but it's a little different. So it's not like there's like a GM that knows how things have to go and they have to like lead the players through it. Um, Partners really is about a partnership. And it says that you could probably even expand it and have more people involved. But the idea is it's like this um, like old detective... Um, like crime noir kind of setting where you've got like the straight shooter detective and like their wild card partner. So generally that's you and another person playing this game, but there could be more. And it's honestly just a booklet and you can, and then you need a regular deck of cards to play it. So, and the reason it's a little bit different than a normal role playing game is that you and your partner hence the name partners, um, are kind of solving this crime um, through your own kind of invention and storytelling. So you don't tell someone, okay, we're going to go to the police station and figure out, you know, um, who the suspects are or interview them or whatever. You're going to draw a card and that's going to lead you to a clue and um, the booklet itself will tell you, okay, based on the card you drew, this is what the clue is, this is the suspect it's referring to, um, that sort of thing, which I think is kind of crazy. And I'm really interested to see how it works um, because, like, I, it, there seems to be a lot left open. Um, but you're, it, the fact is that you're, you're kind of working together to to draw, um, to, to create these prompts and these scenes based on what you get from the cards. So like you could draw a card and it could say, okay, um, this, this thing is going to be about this particular suspect. You already said that the suspect was, um, the neighbor and, um, the neighbor has the motive of, um, a love triangle or something. And so what you're going to get is like, um, a hair sample maybe. And that's what this card is telling you that you're getting. And then you get like these random word prompts. So maybe the random word prompt is um, fence. 
So then you're going to say, okay, like, how does that fit into our story? So, okay, we know that there's this neighbor, they're, they're jealous. Um, and then we found this hair that was kind of, that was theirs, that was in, you know, got stuck on this nail, poking out of the fence. They said they were never in the yard. What was the hair doing there? Did that happen? You know, those kind of things. And you're like developing it, kind of journaling it almost. Um, so it's like role-playing game, kind of script writing, um, so it works well for nerds like me that love to write and um, also like to role play. And the fact that it's just like cards and either a PDF or you can get a hardcover copy um, that you can do this over Zoom or email or a text or something. So it really works right now for people that um, aren't able to get together. So I, I just thought it sounded kind of cool, like totally different. And I don't know. So that's Partners um, by Steve Darlington. There's six days left on that Kickstarter. Um, it's only 12 bucks to get the PDF version. Um, but if you want like a nice, like fully illustrated, which I think the PDF is, is illustrated as well, but if you want an actual bound copy of this of the game, it's $35. That does seem really interesting. Uh, I don't love RPGs, but I like the fact that you're using regular cards. That, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't think you would like to play this, but... Probably not, but the, the concept is interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think it sounds fun. And then one more. The last one I want to talk about is also something... like I. This is just like a self-indulgent, apparently new segment for me. Except for Australia, because I've never played it, and that's for the rest of you. But the last thing I want to talk about is board game, board game upgrade kits from MeepleSource. So MeepleSource, obviously, they have... They make all kinds of game upgrade kits, and it, which I think are so fun and cool because you know how I feel about the shape meeples. And this Kickstarter holds all kinds of really cool component meeple upgrades. Um, there is stuff for the West Kingdom trilogy. They've got these diplomats for paladins. They've got um, the profiteer and the princess for architects of the West Kingdom. You can get, oh, I love all these little anim, um, animals for creature comforts. You can get um, more bird series, like the blue-footed booby, who's really fun, and a cockatiel and a shoe hey, stork. You said booby. <laughs> You're 12. But the bird is really cute on there. So that's on there. Um, upgrades for Darwin's Journey. Um, upgrades for Scythe and all the expansions. Um there's this really awesome upgrade set for the resources of Tekenu because I think those resources need some work and they look really awesome. Um, uh, another one that I'm super interested in is the 74 piece set of character meeples for obsession and the upstairs downstairs expansion. Um, all these adorable little housekeepers, ladies, maids, footmen, cooks, really, really cool. Um, Concordia. They have really cool Carpe Diem, Taverns of Tiefenthal, the little schnapps, um, little beer tokens, little uh, money tokens, um, upgrades for Bonfire that look really awesome. A Feast for Odin. There's even a moose. Um, Hallertau. Tau? Hallertau? I don't know. There's some cool tokens for that. Oh, and little sheep. You can get realistic sheep or cute sheep, and the cute sheep are adorable. Um all the Lords of Waterdeep, so you can get rid of those different colored cubes. And there's wizards and clerics and fighters and rogues. Um, underwater cities. There's these cool, really cool submarines and, like, elixir tokens and starfish and kelp. And 
um, champagne bottles for Australia Ho- Grand Austria Hotel, the Let's Waltz expansion, which I can't wait to get the expansion. Um, some Caverna upgrades with some little cute mushrooms. Um, Tawatensuyu upgrades. Cat Lady. Oh, the cat's cute. Little tuna fish. Um, New York Zoo. Pandemic State of Emergency, Dominant Species Marine, Clans of Caledonia, Wendake, Carcassonne over Hill and Dale. I mean, there's just so, so much there. Um, and so on the Kickstarter, when you want to back the project, you basically you can back it for like a dollar, which um, to say, okay, you know, I'm interested in this. The dollar pledge goes towards your flat rate shipping. Um, and then, like, you can then go in and pick which ones you want for the different upgrades you want. Um, and there's all different kinds of amounts. Everything from, like, $15 for the West Kingdom Trilogy Meeples, um, $27 for the Wingspan, all the way up to, like, $104 for the Obsession characters. So just... All different kinds of really, really cool shaped meeples, which I love. So if you're looking to pimp out your game, check out Board Game Upgrades by Meeple Source. There's 14 days left on that Kickstarter. Yeah, this stuff's cool. Um, it's completely unnecessary, but this stuff does look really neat. I agree. You think it's completely unnecessary. It is. It's not co- helping me play the game having meeples with faces on it. It does help me play the game. It helps you lose games. Well, that's if they're too interactive (laughs) and I just want to play. Yeah, that's true. I'm a child. So, yep, that's all I have for news. All right, so let's talk about a few games that we played. We didn't play a ton of games this week. Just life happened, and that's just what happened. So we did play one together, and the game that we played together is Viticulture. Yay! So this is a a Stonemaier classic um, it's been around for, I don't know, might have been his first game. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, if not the first, one of the first. And this is a worker placement game about trying to grow grapes and turn grapes into wine to sell wine to the public. You're trying to be the first person to get to 20 points to end the game. You finish the round, whoever has the most points is the winner. It's a, a really cool worker placement game. It inv- I, I'm not sure if it was the first game, so I'm not going to throw out like it invented this, but it has the concept of the grande worker, which is a worker that lets you go to a space that somebody else went to. So you're not really blocked out from at least one space throughout the game, which is pretty neat. Uh, it has really nice production, really cool art, and it's just a solid game. So what did you think about Viticulture this time? Yeah, it's good. I We haven't played it for a long time, and I, I like to pull out games that I remember fondly, but haven't visited in a while. And... um yeah, I just love the little components to it, the see-through, like, clear disc that you use to show the quality of your grapes and then your wine. Um, and I beat you so soundly that it was really satisfying. That's true. I had, like, five points forever. <laughs> and then you were at, like, 19. Like, what the heck, man? But you did only end up beating me by, like, 10. So I feel a little better. That's because I couldn't get any more points. Like, I, if I could go oh, on, I would have. That's true. You were topped out. That's true. That's the only thing that, again, and Stonemeyer Games does this a lot, to play to a certain number of points. I don't like that. I just want to, like, we should be able to collect our, our points, and then whoever has the most wins. Um, 
And I don't know if that made me like point greedy or what, but it, it was, it was fun. I liked it. It's a good solid worker placement. Um, just, just good stuff. Yeah. Somebody on the riveted said they didn't like it at two because you didn't have the option to use the special bonus places like the second spot that yeah, gave you like extra stuff. That's true. I would have liked the extra stuff. Um, but I guess that makes your it just makes your choices a lot more critical. So you have to find you have to really work those cards that are going to give you bonuses and things that you would get at spots in order to be successful. Yeah, I agree. It just makes it makes it a little tighter, which I'm fine with. Yeah, it's good. I liked it. All right. So then uh, you actually played a game with some ladies from church. So how about you just take over and you can talk about that. Okay. So um, I work with the women's group at my church and we, every year, one of the things that we do is have a board game night. Well, this year they wanted to do something a little bit different. We talked about trying like an escape room and I was going to build one and all this stuff. But um, because of the pandemic, they asked me, could we do something where everyone could kind of, you know, be distant enough if they didn't feel comfortable being close that way we wouldn't have to all touch you know the same board game components be really close huddled over a board and i was like yeah sure and then i thought oh my gosh what am i gonna do and um i'd remembered and we had talked about seeing like i know tom vassell at some of like the dice tower cons runs this big game of wits and wagers and i played wits and wagers once a long time ago i mean i want to say a long time but maybe like I don't know, 12 years ago, maybe, um, with some friends. And I sort of remembered it. But the thing about with some wagers is it's a trivia game where you don't have to know the answer. And for someone like me, I find that annoying because I always want to know the answer. Um, (laughs) So I want to play trivia games where you need to know the right answer and you can show everyone that you know the answer. Um, But I was running the game, so it didn't matter. So I had all the answers. Uh, So I divided the women into different teams and... With with some wagers, you ask a question. All the answers to the question are numbers. So then each team comes up with their answer to the question. Like, for example, um, the last question we did was, um, how many glasses of milk does a cow, a milk cow, produce in its lifetime? And so they each had to come with an answer. Um, You organize them in the board. And then... You can either say, okay, I'm going to stick with my answer and vote for my answer, or you can vote for someone else's answer if you think their answer might be better, which is interesting because some of the questions we asked, um, you know, we had some ladies who live on farms playing, and we have, um, we had one woman who's actually taking some classes right now in history and government, and so some of the questions were about that. And so you could maybe say, oh, I think they're going to know this answer and vote for them. And then if you get the answer right, you get points. And if you pick, or if you pick a right answer, or both, you get points for that. Um, It was really fun. I was impressed with how well it went over. I think some of the questions people hadn't thought about, um, I tried to make them, you know, ones that I thought might interest everyone. Um, We had a good time. We had a three-way tie at the end for several questions that we had to try and tie break. Um, but it was it was a good time. I could see why people like this game and why it's it's a very um, common kind of party game. I don't know that I would want to play it on the regular because it's just not my thing. But I had a good time hosting and and playing like the kind of game master to it. So it was good. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want to play this. I hate party games, but since you don't have to have the right answer, that's kind of cooler to me. So maybe I'll play it at some point. 
Yeah, and I know um, I'd be interested in playing, like, if we were to get in, get one of them, I would like the Vegas edition because it just – the layout and setup looks really cool. And I think that would be kind of a fun thing, especially for, like, some of my family members and stuff that they would get into. So, yeah, it was it was a fun time. You'd be surprised how competitive church ladies get. There was accusations of cheating flying around. There was, like – I mean, it was – it was nuts. Yeah, that's a sign of a good game when people start calling people names. And, <laughs> yeah, that's good. good. Yep. So those are the games that we played this week. We're we're really we're gonna we're gonna come back with some good ones next week. But that was all that we did this week. So our main topic for the podcast this week is kind of a strange one, and yet not strange at all. Um. So we wanted to look at games that fit the stereotype of trading in the Mediterranean, which is kind of a stereotype amongst Euro gamers for sure. Um, for us, you know, we like old, ugly games that are Euro games. We don't play a lot of games where fighting, backstabbing, direct combat, area control, those kind of things. Um, so trading in the Mediterranean is kind of that fallback term. But when I looked at lists of trading in the Mediterranean games, number one, the games that were literally trading in the Mediterranean, we had mostly not played, <laughs> except for one that I'm going to talk about. But when I dug into it, a lot of people were saying, really, trading in the Mediterranean is the term for the cliche of games where you're basically pushing cubes around some pre-industrialized civilization or world. That's it. So any kind of game where you're making kinds of trades, you're pushing cubes around in an area of the world before industrialization happens. So we've each come up with three that I think fit the bill. So Jace, you want to start us? All right. So the first one I'm going to talk about uh, is it has cubes. You're turning in cubes for other things, and you're building buildings with said cubes. And that game is called Kalis. So it, yes, you're not trading with other players. Yes, you're not trading on the you know in a in a trading sense. But there are some spaces where you're trading in one type of good for another, or you're turning in goods to contribute to the castle, you're turning in goods to build buildings, you're turning in goods for money. So in my book, I'm pushing the cubes around the board, and I'm trading them in to do other things. So Kalis is, I think, a good fit for this category. So my first one, Kalis. I have never played this. I don't know anything about it. You, I think you watched, you watched me and Brandon play it for a little bit. I don't know if you remember that, though, but... I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember this at all. Um, I'm sure it's in the Board of Eligibility. Uh, I need to update the Board of Eligibility, so I don't <laughs> think it is, actually. To put more things that I can't read on there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, you could say anything's on there, because I can't really tell what they are, so it doesn't really matter. It's true. Yeah, it's on there. It's, right, it's the very first one. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, well, I'm not completely sure if I buy Jason's choice of Kalis because I don't know anything about the game except I know where the box is located on our shelf I think my first pick is exactly what trading in the Mediterranean is all about and that game is Concordia um, so Concordia is a map of the countries around the Mediterranean and you're moving around putting settlements in the different towns um, so that you have the ability to pull resources that are made in those areas. You're making trade routes. Um, 
you're kind of you're choosing your actions from a deck that you can build a light lightly um, in the game, and you're just trying to get the most points through collecting these cards, um, making settlements. Um, getting in all the areas around the Mediterranean. I mean, you can't get much more um, directly trading in Mediterranean than Concordia. And it really is a fun game. I mean, it, it epitomizes that kind of pushing cubes around on an old world board. Like, and it's not very pretty. Um, to be fair, the inside art, I think, is way better than the box art. The box art's hideous. Um, we also have the salt expansion we don't have the Venus expansion yet. Do we keep talking about that, right? Not yet. The salt expansion is salsa. Salsa. Why they named it that, I don't understand. I don't know. Just Unless what it salsa is. has to do with... It might be one of the, the maps. I'm not sure. I don't know. But it is a... Oh, yeah. So it, Latin salsa is salted. So that's why. Oh, uh, that makes sense. Yep. That's what I was thinking. I was like, it's got to be related to Latin. Okay. So that's why it's called Salsa. I always forget and call it Salt. Apparently, same difference. But if you have not played Concordia um, and you want to know what all this trading in the Mediterranean is about, it's a great place to start. Yeah, Concordia is great. Um, the card play system is really good. Uh, everything about this game is awesome. And it probably fits the theme of trading in the Mediterranean better than all the rest of them on the list, I think. So my next one, probably a stretch, but... You're going to see a pattern in mine, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> the next one I picked is Istanbul. Now, before everybody gets on me, Istanbul takes place in Turkey. Turkey is on the Mediterranean. Therefore, no matter what you do, you're doing it on the Mediterranean. You're moving well, your... No, and, no. No, and honestly, yes, Turkey is on the Mediterranean. But really, Istanbul slash Constantinople is right there on the Bosporus Strait, which is right there at the water. So, I mean, I guess... Thank um, you. See, great... Better than Concordia. Um, so no, oh, well, let's not go that far. <laughs> so what you're doing in this um, that kind of fits this theme is you have a worker. He's kind of a cube. And I say he because every single person in this game is a, a male character. And you're using this, this guy and you're moving him around the board to go visit places to get resources to get gems. Then what you're going to be doing is you're going to be converting those gems. Or, sorry, you're getting resources and you're trying to convert those resources into gems to be the first person to get so many gems based on the number of players. So you're getting resources, you're trading them for other resources sometimes, and you're trading them with the bank to get gems. So I'm on the Mediterranean, I'm trading resources, I'm pushing my cube around the map, and I think it works. So my second one, Istanbul. Um... I find this questionable, especially at the trading portion of this. Um, well, what are you talking about? I go there and I trade in goods for other goods. That's trading. Hmm. No, that's not the same. Just because you exchange one thing for another doesn't mean it's like the actual trading, like trade career that I really think trading in the Mediterranean is about. But I'm also pushing cubes across my wheelbarrow, so therefore I'm pushing cubes along the board in a country that takes it sits under the Mediterranean. Hmm. Okay. It's it's a solid pick. It's a solid pick. I don't Everybody's know about a solid agree. pick. It's a pick. <laughs> my next <laughs> all my, one. <laughs> all mine are kind of just picks. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> my next one is also better than that, and it is La Havre. So La Havre is actually a port in France. 
Also in the Mediterranean, FYI. I mean, it's. I, I know. I looked up the Mediterranean. I'm well versed in this, the countries that are in the Mediterranean. <laughs> oh, yes. Now. Suddenly you understand geography. <laughs> okay. Sure. Sure, you do. That's, that's what I've always thought. Oh, as, as you've clearly shown in the fact that you don't understand anything about. Um, I know where Canada is. I know where America is. I know where Mexico is. And now I know all the countries around Mediterranean, as long as it's Turkey and France and Italy. I mean, I guess to be fair, La Havre itself is not on the Mediterranean. It's in France, oh, which is on oh, the Mediterranean. Terrible pick. But La Havre is actually like up towards the English Channel. So <sighs> it's not trading in the English Channel games. It's trading in the Mediterranean games. France is on the Mediterranean. <laughs> okay, Istanbul. Where you're moving guys around, like, and collecting gems, that is not trading at all. So, Lahav is actually about trading. No, it isn't. Yes, you're selling it goods is. on your boat. That is what trading is. That is the I, actual trade industry. I am selling resources to the bank to get gems. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's not at all the same thing. You are cracked. So, in Lahav. You are um, getting different industries. So there's fishing and you can go into maybe the tanning industry. Um, you can, what else is there? All different kinds of food. Um, gosh, I feel like I haven't played this in a long time. Because there's a lot of setup in the Hof. Because there's lots of little chits of different resources everywhere. And they're double-sided because like you do in the trade industry, you take raw product and convert it into some other kind of good or service. And then you trade them at when you ship them around. So I'm not, support, I'm not supporting you and I'm not telling you anything else about this game. You just keep going. Really? Really? <laughs> That's how we're going to be? No, you're right. You're taking Guys, next you. week, um, we're going to have a new co-host. I don't know who it is yet, but it will not be Jason. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to edit myself out of this one. Can you just like make it a random voice that just like agrees with everything I say? I don't know if I can do that or not. I don't think I have that kind of power. <laughs> I don't think so either. Um, but you're really, you're just establishing the supply chain. You're collecting resources. You're um, building your industry and converting them into these goods. And then you're shipping them in the trading industry. Therefore, that's why I think Lahav is a really good choice. I mean, you can keep saying the word trading. That's not going to change the fact that it's, you know, selling things on a boat. That's what it is in a pre-industrialized <laughs> world, which, again, is part of the definition of this trading in the Mediterranean trope. Let's get back to some good picks. All right. So we're All right, Lahav. Let's see what kind of travesty you've got next. <laughs> so my next one is a really big stretch, and I'm going to admit that right now. Oh, this one is. Okay. I I still think it meets the criteria of pushing cubes around the old world. And that game is called Mercator from Uwe. Now listen, Italy is on the board. Italy, as I've already said, I'm well-versed in the Mediterranean, is on the Mediterranean. Guess what else is on the board? England, not on the Mediterranean. But I don't have to go to that space. Maybe I just want to go to Italy over and over and over and over and over. Which is like one of the hardest places to go to, so yeah, sure. (laughs) But... The reason I picked this is it's all about picking up cubes, moving them around the board. You're physically putting cubes on the board, moving them around. And then I'm going to be going to these places, and I'm going to sell these goods back. So since you said selling is is appropriate for this, I'm going to say that I'm selling these to the proper city states or country states, and I'm earning money. So 
you're pushing cubes. It's in the old world because the guy on the box looks like he's from the old world. And it has Italy on it. And it has cubes. So my third pick, the best one of my bunch, Mercator. This is the best one of your choices. Um, You are moving cubes around in what I would agree appears to be the actual trade. However, you are not trading around the Mediterranean. That's true, but I'm pushing cubes around the old world, so I, I think that counts. Yeah, I, I do really like Mercator. Like, the more I play it, the more I like it. It's so stinking hard. And it's like, it's not hard because other people do stuff that mess you up. In fact, like, again, this is this game is almost exactly the definition of a game that Jason wants to play where it's solitaire next to other people. Because you're honestly just fighting with oh my gosh, I'm here, but I need to be here, but that's only to get this good, and I, but I got to sell it over here, and I'm not there yet, and nobody else is there, and yeah, it's really hard, but it is a good game. Maybe not in the category, but it is one. Agree to disagree. <laughs> of course. I think that's the, like the basis of our entire relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so my last game is a two-player only game, and it takes place in Greece which is most definitely smack dab in the Mediterranean. And that is Akrotiri. So, which I mean, Akrotiri, of course, does not exist now, but it is a village on Santorini. Anyway, in case you want to know that. Sounds fishy to me. Sounds like it doesn't belong on this list. In Akrotiri, <laughs> um, it's two players. So you're moving around. Um, it's, a, it's a tile placement. It's also hand management. But you're also doing this pick up and deliver, hence trading, action in the, well, I mean, I guess it's the Aegean Sea, but I mean, the Mediterranean's right there. Um, oh, so, yeah, keep going. Keep digging yourself in that <laughs> hole. Keep going. <laughs> you're, um, you're, you're putting these tiles out so that you can um, like have these temples so that you can complete these cards that show like the orientations of temples to other resources. You're also collecting resources and then shipping them back um, to like this original, like your original island you came from. So there's lots of these different things happening. There's some secret gold cards that you've got. It's a really fun little, I think often underrated two player game. Um, I mean, you can get really into the theme, which is cool, but that's not necessary. It's like, oh, I'm going to flip over these tiles and make sure that these little icons appear in the same way as they are on my card. And then I can move stuff around if I want when I pick up these resources. But it is a really fun game. I mean, yes, you're in the Aegean Sea, which runs into the Mediterranean Sea. Um, but there is trading going on as well as like basic discovery. So my last choice of this pushing cubes around pre-industrialized world is Akrotiri. Yeah, that's a good game. I think that fits even though it's in the Aegean Sea. But yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah. So I know there are plenty of games that maybe even um, suit this better. Like I was thinking about like Finca and Cinque Terre and I've seen like um, Mari Nostrom and we talked about Neptune, which I think really depicts it. Um but we've played Neptune like maybe once or twice, and I haven't played any of those other games, which I think are dead on um, trading in the Mediterranean. However, um, a lot of times, a lot of people more into board games than me who actually, you know, read stuff about board games and watch videos and things are saying that this really is about, you know, 
cue pushing in the old world, it's a lot of times used as a derogatory way to talk about euros that are a little bit drier and less thematic. Um, and you all know we love those kind of things. Um, I was thinking immediately of um, Lorenzo as really being a kind of, in some ways, cue pushing in the old world, but there's like some engine building in that one, so I didn't go that way. But I'd like to hear what you think. Weigh in on our debate. What are actually trading in the Mediterranean games or pushing cubes around the old world? What kind of those games do you like? Or why do you think people kind of snub their noses at them, other than the fact that they're ugly? We have several friends that say that all the time. <laughs> Tell us on our Facebook page. If you're not part of hashtag the riveted our Facebook group, you need to be. Everybody there is dope. We have great conversations about games. Um, very supportive. Just just great, great peeps all around. Um, find us on Twitter. Post pictures of the games you played on Instagram. And of course, check us out on YouTube. Um, I'm trying to get more unboxing videos of myself. I've also keep toying with this idea of just doing some random op-ed videos where I ramble on about stuff board game related for like a minute or a couple minutes or whatever. I don't know if anyone's interested in hearing what I have to say. So <laughs> that's what holds me back from making more videos, I think. Um, but hey, who knows? Um, we do this because we love to hear from you guys. We love to talk to other people who love board games. Um, we want to hear about new, exciting games that are out there that you like. Um, we're always looking for recommendations and love to give them a try. Yeah, games are good. Games are fun. Uh, they, they've been pretty good for us in the pandemic because, you know, two of us, we can always play games. So it's pretty nice. Pretty nice. Yeah, I, I, I mean, this has been kind of a short one, but I think that's all we've got. Yep, that's all I got. I'm done. <laughs> All right. Well, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.